Um, okay. Best quote? I got one for each, baby. Oh, good. Get to it. Okay. So they're in order of... They're in order, but I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, the mark of a good trilogy is really how quotable it is. And I was, it's not on my list, but I was just thinking of, because uh, I'm running through all the time, certain parts of the score played in my head. And I was thinking, looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Great fucking quote. <laughs> Anyways. Um, it is such a good quote. Wait, it's also very, meme- very memeable. Very memeable. What when he, he cuts off the orc's head, it's the Urukai who. Oh, is- yes. Looks like meets back on the menu, boys. Yeah. I do like that. Part. Yeah. Um, great college quote. <laughs> Invisible Harvard. Um, More Godfather Part 3, love. Um, so never hate your enemies, it affects your judgment. That is like far and away the most practical one on the list. I use it quite often to <laughs> reset my perspective on on things. Um, Aren't you fucking Gandhi? Yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of, so not Gandhi, but G- Gandalf. Uh, I always love this one from the very, I used to usually be a hardline fellowship person not that i like like it any less now but i usually go back and forth between fellowship and return of the king probably after watching it so many times each year for the last few years i'm more of a return of the king person uh but anyways the you know so gandalf in in moria talking to frodo saying all that we have to decide is what to do with the time that's given to us kind of low-hanging fruit there but i love that quote um kind of related to the practicality of the first one. I love, love, love the Celine quote. For, it's not like really like a quote. It's like a longer thing that she says in Before Sunset, um, talking about like leadership and ego and and stuff like that. So she says the people that are often the most giving, hardworking and capable of making the world better don't really have the ambition and ego to be leaders, um, which is just like- That's, like, that's the theme of the Lord really of the Rings. <laughs> um, yeah, she was an LOTR fan for sure. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> and it's not not that everything has to be like a like a life lesson or something, but just like the the for me, just the the emotional footprint that I'm a Jedi like my father before me has always had on me mm. is is just like such a great moment from from Return of the Jedi. Um and then if you're good at something, never do it for free. The Joker. From the dark night. That's a great one. Oh my god, what a list! <laughs> That's a great list. See, you think in quotes so much more than I do. That's just not how I orient myself at all. Yeah. So I have trouble remembering them, as I've well, said I it so many times. For some of these. <laughs> yeah, I use the internet. <laughs> um, from the it for I love it in this scene, but it's also just a great <laughs> quote. <laughs> Uh, um what uh, when in the uh before midnight when they're walking through the the town before going into the hotel uh definitely they're talking about the funeral not stephanos although stephanos was great uh and she says i like the idea of you going to of you going to my funeral <laughs> and i just thought it was such a great delivery it just fits in so well it's such a good like example of her kind of like 
quippy, but also kind of a little <laughs> bit of a cynic. Like everything she says feels like she's testing him. Like actually yeah. throughout all of the movies, like everything is like, get to take the bait, bitch. I love that about her character. Um, uh, I am no man. Yeah. yeah, it'll hit every, it hits every time. That, 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 that freaking slaps. It's the best quote in the movie. Um, I said slaps. It is gonna make fun of me. <laughs> you merely adopted the dark I was born. In oh my god! Kind of for, for for comedy's sake, I love that. I love that old speech. Oh god! Really adopted. I, in that case, you might as well just do the fire rises. <laughs> do you feel in charge? <laughs> Um, nobody, rises. nobody did. Uh, the stones. He was throwing away precious stones. <laughs> but I think I. That's a great scene, by the way. No one did, Ian, no one said why Ian so McKellen, serious. Ian McKellen as Gandalf. It's like he was born to be Gandalf. I know. It's There's a certain so like he could, he could read the read the phone book element to his performance as Gandalf. That I is. Thought, I thought you were talking about the quote that when, like Mary turns to Pippin in the first act and says, "Ian McKellen as Gandalf." That was a that was a deleted scene. Yeah. That's extended the extended the extension of the extension. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it just works <laughs> and everything. I mean, there is a lot of good writing. Like yeah. Tolkien's writing of of dialogue is really, really good. It, he oh, he's he's manages to say things very deep without sounding cliche. Um, and so yeah, the it it we can only do we can only choose what to do with the time that was given to us. So good. I don't love where it was placed in the movie. Like, I think it's, I think it's somewhere else. I think it's somewhere else in the book. Um, it's kind of. Well, it comes up twice in the yeah. movie. Obviously, I don't need to describe the movie yeah. to you, of course. But, um, but that, yeah, that's just. I mean, there's so many Gandalf quotes that I love. Um, hi, I'm but, Gandalf. Hi, I'm Gandalf. <laughs> I'm Gandalf, as played by Ian <laughs> McKellen. <laughs> Hi, I mean, I mean Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say my quotes. Good, okay. do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think of quotes in like three categories. There's like put it on a T-shirt quotes. There's like write it on script, write it on a script font, and like. Oh god, put that's it definitely the a- Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> and put it on like a wooden board in my like living room in a suburban house quote and then there's the just like it's a good it's a very powerful moment of dialogue like within its context it's doing a lot of work in the scene like quote as just like something that somebody says in the context of a movie so to me the powerful moment of dialogue is the you broke my heart fredo Mm. like there's just a lot of beautiful i think that like when his stuff is best, it's when there's like a lot of negative space between the <laughs> words, kind of like it really makes you wonder, like to what extent that that's true. Like he does, he doesn't tend to say things that aren't true if he doesn't have to. Like he's not a big talker. Like what does that mean to him? Like breaking, like like genuinely, like what does that mean to him? Like is he did he break his heart because he put like 
is it that he genuinely felt that betrayed or does that is he aware of like it breaks his heart that he has to kill fredo you know what i mean like i think it's just like a very deep beautiful quote it's also like it's it's also performed very well whereas like he there's not a lot of people that can say you broke my heart and show like zero vulnerability and i love that like in his performance it's like it's like theoretically a very tender vulnerable thing but he says it with such hardness i don't know uh so i love that one for like with dialogue within scene the put it on a t-shirt is the i am no man like iconic powerful badass and then for me the put it on a uh script font on a board this would be a big board mm. uh is a celine quote from before sunrise it's very earnest and romantic. Ooh, we covered all three each each of us has a different has a celine quote from a different movie uh it's the if there's any magic in this world it must be an attempt in the attempt of uh understanding someone sharing something that idea of like the, just the process of trying to understand. But slap that on some driftwood and, and yeah, yeah, seriously, <laughs> put that like yeah. So that was a driftwood and put it in like like stand it up in my outdoor wedding. You know, like you know that's yeah. like what I want. Um, yeah, it's just it's very beautiful. It's like one of the best like quotes. That's like an argument for like you know just like monogamy. <laughs> you know, it's just like this like process of like being with somebody else and trying to understand them over the course of your life is just very beautiful and magical. And I love that one. So yeah, that's like my three categories of quote. I was laughing earlier, picturing you broke my heart, Fredo, or I knew it was you, Fredo, you broke my, it might be misquoted because it's, you know, he says, I knew it was you, Fredo. I knew it was you, Fredo, you broke my heart. And then I think he says, you broke my heart again. I think it's two, you broke my heart. Just picturing that on like an Etsy. On a driftwood. Slab of wood, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In a script, but <laughs> yeah, you got to yeah. jumble them up. Like you got to put some earnest like thing on the you know t-shirt, and then God, it'd be funny. Okay, cool. Next award, best one. Best one. Best first movie. It's Godfather it's one. That's easy. Yeah, I ranked it's them Godfather all, one. and Godfather One is on the top of my list. Godfather One is the best one, and and yeah, it's it's hard not. It, yeah, there's we don't have to talk about it more. Uh, there's so many just things that make a good one. Like even it's not just like it's the most fun number one. It's like it it does the best job at being a one. Like it starts with a wedding. It's like the best, like most economical sort of like world building that you see. Uh, there's like it's like the perfect um, balance between like, like there's not too much world building. Like like in the classic, like, like you hate a first superhero movie because it's just like them becoming a superhero, right? Like it doesn't end at the restaurant scene. Like it keeps going and you watch it all happen. The characters are rich. The writing's great. There's, as you're watching Michael come up, there's enough like side shit going on to keep things entertaining. Yeah. Great one. And and that might also be that I I love Fellowship of the Ring. But it's my runner up, baby. And and it is definitely my runner up. It's probably might be closer to, to Godfather One than than for you guys. Um one of the cool things about Lord of the Rings is that you don't you it's you never really get a sense of 
the whole world that's very just kind of moving through into those parts. And especially at the beginning, you start out in the Shire and you also have the party is the is the beginning. So you have oh, a yeah, similar yeah. kind of like yeah, yeah, um, I love that. get together. Um, and I'll still be that guy who says in the books, um, you oh don't really you know anything. Throw some Tom Bombadil in this nonsense. I wasn't, <laughs> but now that you mentioned it, <laughs> um, no, 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 in the books, you just, it's just a wedding, like, or it's just a party. It's about the party. And I've actually gotten that far. <laughs> you don't, you don't hear. And part of the reason why people don't read the books is because they start out and they were like, what the fuck is this? Cause it's a very small scale to begin with. Like you don't get a sense of the grandeur of it at all. Even when Gandalf tells Frodo about what the ring is, it's kind of like, well, kind of you, there's something big to it. Like it's dangerous, but until you get to, to Rivendell, there's very little sense of scope, which I think works really well. But in the movie that you can't really do that if it's one movie. Uh, you have to do all that intro flashback stuff, which works well as a movie, but kind of ruins it. It kind of, it works well for the purposes of the movie, but kind of ruins it as a movie for me. Interesting. I feel like it's devotion. I think a good one has an intense devotion to its POV character. I think that that's important. Hey now. And you're right that it doesn't, it breaks that. Yeah. Right. Like, it that's a cool thing about the book what you're describing is like this idea that like when they go to brie brie is the biggest coolest thing you've seen then when they go to the rivendell rivendell is the biggest coolest thing you've seen and by the time you get the last three books they're like at mortar and they're like whatever i'm bored you know yeah. like 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 it's like you watch yeah, their and, world it's slow, and, it, and it builds it's it's from the shire from hobbiton i mean rivendell might be kind of but it's not a big it's not well populated it may be one of the more interesting cities but gondor but gondor minus tirith is is probably the biggest city at least in the current age that they're living in 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 middle earth and and you're just building to that like edoras is in rohan is is kind of middle it's kind of small and you just kind of keep cincinnati. building and building and building yeah it's cincinnati it's it, it is it is very uh very ohio-ish i would say <laughs> Um, but so yeah, someone, number one is is Godfather, though. As someone who's read the book, Sam, I've always wondered if it was like exclusive to the movie or they stole it from the books. Is there that scene at the party in the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring where Rosie's talking to the other girls and kind of showing how endowed Sam is? <laughs> no, but I think Rosie okay. is in the. That is a that is a full trilogy. That is really the story of Lord of the Rings is Sam and Rosie. <laughs> but but Tom Bombadil though. <laughs> well, I have a hard time doing or like answering these these next three questions in a way that's not like well it's just the best movie i mean if we're really if, if the standard is really which one best serves as like a first entry then i guess maybe it's lord of the rings since you i would be most i would have my interest most peaked at the end of watching the fellowship of the ring to like really be excited to watch the next one like godfather is expanded by 
to no doubt, but if there were just the Godfather, that could work just fine as a, you know, as a standalone movie, you know, obviously with, with Lord of the Ring, with Fellowship of the Ring, you know, it can't just end there and you want to um, keep watching the next one. But if just in terms of raw score, then definitely Godfather. I, I would disagree say- about the purpose of a one. I think the point of a one is not to make you want to watch two. It's to set the foundation for two, like a three act play. Like the point of the first act is not to make you want to watch the second act. It's so that when all the shit goes down in the second act, there's some depth to it and some stakes and you really get what's happening. And that's why I think that one is a perfect, Godfather one is perfect there because it does sort of set up like constantly during what's going on with the character arcs as as stuff is really going down in two you come back to one and there's so much in one that you could see from the character point of view developing whereas in lord of the rings i'd say one is not the best setup for two just because you kind of move on like except for the the frodo stuff and to some extent the gandalf stuff you get a bunch of new characters and you didn't really need any of the one stuff to understand the rohan people that well and sam's probably just going to disagree with that uh i just think that like if you look at that like the like one being the foundation for payoff and character development in two I don't think Lord of the Rings is that impressive there, but it's well, yeah, but but the payoff and it's it, you don't get payoff in two in the way you do in other twos, like it's the character when I say development payoff, is I kind mean of spiraling out, like everything going wrong. Oh, okay, yeah, like not not yeah. three level payoff, but act two. But you get it's an interesting because you also get new character development, like the Legolas Gimli friendship doesn't really start until two, mm. and while it's not that's central to the movies it is kind of interesting and and um and that friendship would be better if it wasn't orlando bloom um wow hot takes not not that hot take (laughs) um one other thing that i thought about like for for what makes a good one is like playing on the mystery like when you're there's when you have a trilogy the second and third movies you already have the world established and while that is good for some things it's it it doesn't allow for as much kind of like oh like what is this like i like a one that is um and i like this for most world building where stuff is happening and it just it just happens it doesn't explain itself to you and i think that lord of the rings does that would do that better if there wasn't the opening scene, but does that well. And I think A New Hope does that too, in that it, it you fall into a world and things are happening and it slowly gets explained to you, but kind of the mystery and thinking like, oh, what's that? Oh, how's that work? Because like, even the crawl is this... isn't ex- isn't the exposition you would give if you were just trying to give the information exactly. that you needed. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so much of the workings of a planet, like the, the moisture farm and shit like that, is they just say it and you have to think through why that would be important. Um, yeah. Other part two, and then going down the list before sunset, but what performs the best as the role of a two is probably the, I mean, Empire Strikes Back kind of wrote the book 
on two on what on what it being a two is sort of turning everything on its head the reveals of you know like luke i am your father the introduction of yoda which is so great um and you know the freezing of han solo this sort of cliffhanger ending and what i was saying what i was trying to say before about a one getting you excited for two i mean what i really mean is like a one necessitate like a good one necessitates a two mm. you know there has to be another lord of the rings because you know it's it's a cliffhanger i guess you would, you would call it um you know do you need the godfather part three no but it's nice do you need before midnight you don't need it it's it's i guess i'm glad it exists but um you know you have to there has to be a return of the Jedi, right? To get some type of closure and fulfillment and, and some answers. And between the, the, you know, the famous, obviously, Luke, I am your father scene and very world expanding new characters and the breaking up of characters that you'd like to see together. For me, it's, I guess somewhere between Godfather Part Two and Empire Strikes Back, so two different answers there, if that's allowed. But in terms of just grade point average, Godfather Part Two with a bullet. Well, Godfather Part Two achieves being both a sequel and a prequel to Godfather Part One, which is part of why it's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, And. So that kind of, it's like, it cheats, but in, in a way that just makes it better in that it, it is both reacting to and for, and, and it takes advantage of, of part one in multiple ways. It's super interesting to have a storyline where you know how it ends up because it's, it's you, you're thinking, oh, well, it's interesting that he did this because I know he needs to end up this way or I can see that that makes sense because I know he's going to, I know Vito is going to be this kind of person. Um, whereas also creating a whole new story with the continuation of the Michael Corleone storyline. Um, In terms of, I mean, yeah, what you already said, but like, a second movie, I think, is able to be better because it's not weighted down by exhibition or tying up loose ends, which is what, obviously, first movies and third movies are, respectively. Um, I have a soft spot. Well, I mean, the setting of the first, the settings of the first two, we didn't. I didn't talk about this when we were talking about one movies of before sunrise and before sunset feel like they're specifically made to get me to like them like it's a they are like the fact that the first movie is in vienna it i was i just like i couldn't stop i i was there were so many feelings you were young and in love in vienna once i mean like i can't even imagine <laughs> i know it was wild and and the other thing is that i was young <laughs> in love in vienna and also like it is completely contained within Vienna. Like that love story for me is a Vienna thing. So I seeing know, those places wild. echoed and like that the cafe, city that's meant the to cafe, be deleted. The cafe that they sit in is my favorite fucking cafe. No! In Vienna. Kleinest Cafe. I went there every day. 
Um, and tell us more about I this read... wild romance. No, I you know about it. And I, uh, and I just, I recognized every single. I felt like I recognized every single street they walked down. I recognized that crazy ass church they went to, Maria Amgestad. That's kind of weirdly like flat iron building shaped. So how like, I feel watching Dark Knight, you feel watching. <laughs> yeah, it's so. You weird. went to that weird like avant-garde performance with those two Austrian guys. But that feels very like I can see. I've been to a base like it's just. I the the and the avant-garde performance they talked about was in the second district, which is where I lived. I know what they were referring to as the Vienna's just a small city. It's a perfect place to live in for four months because you can really feel like you get to know the place. So that was wild and almost really took me out of the movie, like in a way. Um because it, I was mostly just feeling like young love in Vienna rather than like their love in Vienna. <laughs> Whereas number two was in Paris. And while I didn't recognize all the places except for Promenade Ponte, which they went 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 walking along, which is one of my favorite places in Paris. It's like the High Line of Paris or the 606 in the case of Chicago. Um and and just like the romance of European cities in my mind, uh aids in so much of what they do. Um but I think really what um i think it i probably won't end up picking it but before sunset takes advantage of so much of what can be done in a two in that it's both reacting to and building off of the first one the moment the the beginning of it where he asks her if she showed up six months after they said they were like when they said they would and she's like no did you and he's like no 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 and she finally figures out that he actually was there and then she feels terrible and it's just like it works so well because he is the romantic who wants to be a cynic and that works in that moment you see he tries to play off being a cynic and just being like no i wasn't there but he really was there um and I think that's just such a great way to make movie. It's so short and lovely. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> um, Her like apartment at the end with the like courtyard barbecue. And the last, oh, yeah. the courtyard that. barbecue, the woman who walks up to them and is asking about, oh, it just, it's such a small movie in such a wonderful way. It's just what, it's basically one conversation. Uh, and then the last, she they keep talking about, um, oh, oh, you're gonna miss your flight, and he's like, no, no, I'll be fine. I have another 15 minutes. And finally, she's dancing to the Nina Simone song, and she kind of like playfully says, like one last time, like, oh, you're gonna miss my flight, and he's like, I know. And then the movie ends. <laughs> the best ending ever well here's what i love about that is there's this contrast between the first one when they put this they they have no agency over time right they're like well we have to it's one day we've created this thing for ourselves it's one day it is what it is and they never try to extend it and there's this negotiation in the second one of exactly how much time they have and at the end they're like no we have all the time in the world like we are no longer going to live and i just love that there's also some sort of like it's shows just a deeper feeling of agency they and control over your life 
I think that there's like a maturity piece of that because there's no reason why they couldn't have done that in the first one as characters like you know but when you're younger you just feel a little bit more oppressed by that stuff partly because of money because you like bought the ticket and it's like what's he gonna do waste the money and it's just very practical whereas in the second one there's this negotiation of like no we're in control of how much time we have together and then the end it blows up and it's like no we have all the time in the world together and in the third one it's actually the same thing but it's whether we're going to shorten our time together it's our, actually are we going to stop doing this oh i love those movies so much we'll talk about it later uh so yeah that is very high up in my twos um the two towers really doesn't it's not like a, it doesn't do a lot of the things that two is like meant to do because it's all really one story and it's not it kind of is just a glue movie but it just contains some amazing moments i love edoras i love the music in two is my favorite helm's deep is my favorite battle in any of the movies um I have a lot of issues. I was talking with Rachel about this earlier with the Faramir plotline and how that is different than the book. Kidnaps them and takes them to Osgoliath, even though that doesn't happen in the books. But the Sam Frodo Gollum thing is works into and uh, and the reintroduction of Gandalf is absolutely fucking amazing. And I thought they really did that well with like the you think you really do think he's Saruman. And they're playing yeah. on that difference in voices between Ian McKellen and uh, Christopher Lee. Love that. Um, I think that Lord of the Rings is just structured more like a video game than a three-act play. Do you know what I mean? Like, where it, two feels like you've beaten the first boss, but you always know what the big boss is at the end. You know? Like, there's no... You kind of know where you're going to be at the end, just like... a. I mean, Lord knows I don't play video games. So like, you could correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's a certain amount of like, you kind of just have these obstacles and bosses along the way, but the whole time, you know what the big one's going to be, which is very different from, I'd say Star Wars, which like, yes, you know, he needs to defeat Lord Vader, but like there's moments where he's able to do that throughout and it doesn't happen. You know, whereas it's a, it's a video game. It's a journey. It's a map. And, and one thing I want to say about twos, is I was, I was thinking about putting Dark Knight here, but Dark Knight is in this trend that I find very annoying. It's very like inspired by, I think, uh, like peak TV that like the reveal becomes a someone dying. Like the second act reveal, which, you know, is like the twist that kind of breaks your heart, the big whatever, is it has to be a death, you know? And I think look, Dark Knight has that because what's her name dies. And you see that in later superhero movies, this like, who's gonna die thing. And I find that very obnoxious. No one dies in Empire Strikes Back. It's perfect. There's like a little, there's two, it ends with two big problems that they need to solve. They need to get Han Solo unfrozed and they need to defeat Vader. And one can happen pretty quickly in three and one takes a longer time. It's set up perfectly. There's a big twist, there's a heartbreak but it's not like a sloppy, like, oh, they killed off this person, which happens a lot in later twos or later. I think it's very much inspired by the things like uh, Game of Thrones, where it's like, oh, who's going to die now? Like, and I just appreciate. And you see that happen in Dark Knight. I don't necessarily fault 
the the I because I think that's a good scene. The cho- the choice, the who will you save thing. So fucking Christopher Nolan. I hate it. But I think that's a turning point where the movie generally gets worse after that. I think it gets worse after the first scene. <laughs> <laughs> Just tactically speak, I think it peaks in the bank job cold open with the Joker. Well, you love cold opens. We know that. Um, yeah, I, open. Um, I think just the 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 two faced stuff is not that interesting to me. Um, although the hospital scenes are pretty good, I do love him walking away from that hospital and walking away, and it it, it 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 works to achieve certain good things. But um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. For me, there's not apart from some cool scenes and I, and I just can't, I really can't get enough of Heath Ledger's the Joker. Apart from that, the dark Knight is very up and down and a lot of down. It's so watchable. Like I could stop everything and watch it right now and be sure in very, very happy, very entertained. It's just so joyless all three of those movies except for i guess like the very end of the trilogy which is great um it's just so joyless that it's sitting down it it had been a while since i really sat down and and watched it watched it you know we've i've we, I'd seen all these movies before we've rachel and i have rewatched them a lot um I've probably seen The Dark Knight the most out of all of these movies. I um, was at a point in college when it hit HBO where it was just everywhere. And like basically like, like every day The pre-game. Dark Knight was on and just like in the in the background. But yeah, so this was the it was the first time in a while where I really sat down and, you know, it like didn't have my phone on me, had my undivided attention. And it's just like, my goodness. Um this is so dark and then like i knew it was dark i mean right but it's like oh my god like there's just like there's no break in it it's just it's it's a it's a lot yeah it's, i would it's, say both the dark knight and dark knight rises are perfect movies to be looking at your phone a lot yeah, like so yeah, fucking true yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there are there are great scenes and great sequences in both of those movies and there are gr- scenes where it's like just look at Twitter for five minutes and, and it makes the movie better. <laughs> Especially, and I, I kind of, I, I guess maybe to try something new, if you could like pinpoint something that's being tried onto it. I never quite understood why the Dark Knight Rises wasn't just another dark night in terms of its its pacing the dark night is nearly one of a kind in that it's just you know like it's 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 literally just a handful of set pieces strung together like it is so relentless it's just one and which is you know to its credit and they just don't compose the action the same way in the dark night rises like it's so the scenes in my opinion um, with the exception of like maybe the stock exchange scene are so truncated and you're they're just kind of like cut off and you're like oh okay really like why did did you forget you made the last one and, and like what like what are you trying to and, do here differently yeah 
and the stock exchange also works. It's like it works all the way up to the point where maybe kind of almost too saccharine and and the that I think you have the wrong type of animal, sir. When he flies out, like the stock exchange all the way through yeah. the chase. Oh my god, it's a cringeworthy line. Um, Why is he in there? This the yeah the uh, the veteran cop like, who like loves like, batman yeehaw, like you're in for it tonight son <laughs> oh god the slim pickings of, of who uh, like doesn't stop his rookie partner from exiting the cop car to shoot at batman what <laughs> um i just think generally chris nolan movies are most are joyless they're very cerebral that's their whole thing I agree with you, Andy. I think that it's like sort of like he uses a combination of clever and cool to like smush them together and like somehow create like diet joy. You know, it's like that's the substitution. And I think a lot of the time it works, especially the first time you see it, one of them, right? You get the sort of and the serotonin rush of figuring something out of realizing something and then just sort of being blown away by a spectacle. And, but to me, the more Chris Nolan movies you watch in a shorter amount of time, the more cynical you can get about them. And so we watched within somewhat recently, we've watched Inception, we've watched Tenet and we've watched all these Batman movies and it's just a lot of Chris Nolan and I'm over him. It feels like, like, I just like that feeling the like his shtick, which I think works a lot of the time. You just tire of it. And you're like, where is your actual heart? You know what I mean? Like I cannot just survive off of cleverness and a spectacle forever. Like, where's my nutrition? I need something to sustain me. And I think watching Dark Knight, knowing you have to soon watch Dark Knight Rises, ruins it it's like the least marathonable you know what i mean it's like oh my god i have to do right, this knowing again, that you worse. and then the, the inverse of knowing you have to watch batman begins in order yeah, to get to exactly so it's like it, to me there's just something okay. about it. i love i really almost wish that that was like the only chris nolan movie i ever saw because i think that if that were true i would like it so much more but i just kind of get i again and he'll never get tired of it because there's always something cooler to see and there's always something clever to, to tell, you know, it doesn't actually get old. Like it's a, it's a sustainable, it's a, you know, renewable resource, but it's just, it can, you can only survive off of it for so long before you're like, I, I need actual emotional, rule. whatever. The exception to your rule. If you're about to say something from Inception, prestige? I will punch you in the face. No, 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 no. Actually, the Prestige is the closest. Prestige is pretty good. I like Prestige. Prestige has some pathos. His, uh, his assertion in Interstellar that love is the fifth dimension. Oh, I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's the, that's the summary of it. There's like the guy that thinks that like that height of pathos is saying love is the fifth dimension. It's like, yeah, you or don't love get is it. The fourth dimension, yeah. It's like, you cannot just be earnest. Like you have to Just be like clever. Anne Hathaway saying love is the one thing that can follow someone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like Interstellar. I know you guys don't. I've, um, I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters. And we put our, we put our sci-fi list on hold. And that was not one of we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, okay. the one we and I've been meaning to seek I know it we was get on to, there. I thought it was on there. No, it is on there. I'm just saying we okay. we didn't get to because we watched like 90% of the sci-fi movies, but that was one that we didn't um no i was gonna say before we go to three i was gonna say 
that for me, some of us have talked about how like, Oh, you know, on some days fellowship is my favorite. Oh, and then, you know, one year I watched all three and I said, two towers, my favorite. Then I watched them again the next year. And now I like the third one the most. I, the two towers is consistently the low point for me. And I've always resented it um, for, for saving Shelob for the third movie. Yeah. Um, again, I haven't read the books, but you know, I knew of the general, outline of the story and there's like almost to the very end of uh the two towers you can kind of still hold out hope of like oh shit like okay so is she gonna be in it is it gonna but and then just like i'll never (laughs) forget sitting sitting yeah yeah sitting there with the heartache of and i kind of knew because they released the the cards you know a couple weeks before the the movie came out it's like well okay yeah there's no she love card obviously she love like there would be a she love card if she were in the movie um but yeah i'll never forget so i remember we were in the back row of of the theater and i can picture them walking through the the forest thinking like come on come on like is is just this, a this, shot like, the big finale and are they and then he even mentions her and i'm like uh, and then Roll See, I, and, I, I care so and the whole movie the you had me worried that. that a spider was going to show up <laughs> i care so little about the frodo and stam part of the movies for in general that uh shilab was not a big deal to me but the the ultimate annoying thing about that is that they change faramir's character in order to give the second movie frodo and sam plotline an ending like uh, any sort of uh climax because they're not supposed to be in Asquith. they could have just gone to she loves lair and i don't know exactly i mean it would be kind of crazy to have them just kind of trek there is very little that they do in mordor between she loves lair and and throwing up and and getting to the gate um to the mountain, to the volcano. Uh, exactly. Um, Cast it into the fire. So maybe that's why. Maybe that's why they had to move Shelob because you really can't make a mo- half a movie out of that trip. Um, but yeah, I still, I'm still, I waver between for my favorite of Lord of the Rings almost always between one and two. Uh, I think for a very long time it was too, largely because of Helm's Deep. Uh, but more recently, I tend to think it's one. Uh, but I still really like two. I don't. Did I say what my favorite two was? Have we all said who who hasn't said what their favorite two was? I said it was Empire. Andy I said it was Empire. sort of cheated. Well, I mean, the best movie that's a two is Godfather Part Two, but yeah. I guess the best movie that's playing the role of a two is Empire Strikes Back. See, Anna, you're gonna really be angry, angry with me right now. I thoroughly Your favorite two is Godfather Part Three. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite two is Batman Begins. Yeah. <laughs> Kitty Holmes call me. Um, <laughs> and uh... <laughs> no, I get so bored of the Dagobah system stuff. I, I can't stand it. Um, I can't stand it. 
I like the Hoth. I love the Bespa, uh, the Cloud City stuff. Best spin. Best spin. Sorry. So um, best off if middle, you're in the set little, first. That, that middle chunk really. Or best out. I guess it'd be best out. Bores the shit out of me. Um, or best out. I think it's probably Godfather 2 for me. Or maybe Two Towers. Godfather 2 for me! I think it's Two Towers. I'll go Two Towers since I didn't go Fellowship in the first one. I don't think I'll go Return of the King in the third one. Ooh. That's I did. Two, three. That's I two, did three. Oh my god. It took us forever to get out of two. Like a good two. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. My name is Return of the King. Is the best three in that it does like play the best. I think it's, I think this is one where you can't argue. It's the best three and that is the best movie of all the threes and it also plays the best role of the threes in my opinion yeah um yeah, yeah. the in that like it is like a video game like you know the big boss and then they get to the big boss and there's like payoffs and surprises within it you know like i did not expect the i thought that like that they would take um gondor and then they just kind of hang out and wait for Frodo to fix it. I didn't think that they'd like go and help. And I like that. And I love that bit. Um, I think that Val for Gondor is really cool. Val, what's the call? What's the, what's the place called again? Minas I know you're Minas Tirith. Oh, Pelennor oh, Fields. The Battle of the Pelennor Fields is what the battle is called. Battle of Pelennor Fields. Thank you. The dead people showing up is cool. Again, you're going to roll. Which again, yeah, right. Because that's like, see, I feel so so weird liking three the most because it, it, like, Shelob's not supposed to be in three. She's from two. But that's an addition. That's an addition. For like the 10th time to tell me how the the army of the dead is different in the book. (laughs) Wow. Uh, oh the God. army of the dead. The army of the dead just helps them take the corsair ships, which they then s- sail to pick, basically pick up other homies in the south. Those things okay, that you well, can get out of part- like vending, those like quarter <laughs> machines <laughs> in grocery stores. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, anyway, the part they where the they like set? sweep in is extremely cool. You can't deny that. But no, no, I can't deny that. Oh, so uh, yeah, it doesn't sound that different. Like that's not that big of a leap. I feel well, like no, the bigger like crime the fact, is that having dead people free. that can do whatever you want is kind of a, just a dumb mechanic in a movie. Okay, but like, aren't the isn't that essentially just like what orcs and orcai are? They're like, or they're just like no, extremely because the powerful. Ghosts can't die. They can move through I walls. Guess that's a good point. <laughs> well, okay, whatever. I think it's cool. There is the characters get some great payoff. I mean, Theoden is both, I think, the character that is me and also my favorite character. I love Theoden. But not a fellowship gets, character. He gets, I know he's not a fellowship character, but he is just overall a character that is me. Um, he gets a great moment. Uh, it's, and all to me, the thing is the endings, which became like a lull thing, but a great three has, is like, is is defined by how satisfying it is it basks it, in the ending it, it, it yeah. backs it, it's like the, a great three is defined by how satisfying that ending is to you and it's like they put six coats of ending to make sure you are fully satisfied it's like they they're trying to top off your drink like are you sure you don't need one more water you don't are you sure you're not thirsty you're not and here again 
you're, you, oh, it seems like you're, you're drinking a bowl of water. They're like the attentive waiter at the restaurant, making sure that you have everything you need. And it became a joke, but it's what you, if you're invested in these movies, you want that. Like you want to just like really enjoy the fact that these people are okay and have developed and all that stuff. And it, it sews up every loose end and it's perfect. Yeah, far and away, the worst part of the endings is the never-ending jokes and takes we had to hear about the endings. Like, the endings are fine. It's not that big of a deal, you guys. Um, but I just, for years and years and years. Just well, all the, jo- the only joke like I jokes like and commentary is, on it. Is, is the Frodo, I just farted face when he looks back and smiles on the boat. As he's oh, yeah. away. <laughs> also, I keep forgetting to say I love leaning in because it looks like I've got little Game of Thrones like goatee beads using the the, the light cords. Look at the well, look at the ceiling fan cords. It looks like I have like a Khal Drogo goatee. Not on not on our screen. <laughs> not for me, buddy. Oh, okay, because we're in different <laughs> order. We're on different. Okay. Yeah, so Ra- I'm were, above Rachel. On- to the right. <laughs> I'm above, so I'm above Rachel on my screen, so I can lean in and pretend these these chords are. Yeah, so it looks great because not only is this a visual medium, but also only for you. (laughs) Uh, So, what were you gonna say about threes? Anything you want to add to my Return of the King argument, Andy? No, not really. I I, yeah, definitely the best. Definitely the best ending. I, I, I kind of like Godfather 3 with the, like, you know, not a bang, but a whimper. And he's, you know, it's just he, him and the dog. And bang he just, and a whimper. Bang, then a just, whimper. He just, uh, he powers down like uh, <laughs> Talia Al Ghul. Like Marion. Marion. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess the ending, I mean, the ending of The Dark Knight Rises, which we've talked about many times. That's, great. that's pretty great. It is a great ending. I always, I got a soft spot for the firework, the the Endor fireworks and the burning of Darth Vader's costume and and all the, I'm not, a, you know, whatever. I know there's like the, like the old guard of like, no, we need the Ewok song. I don't really care. Whatever. Who cares what ending it is? Watch them. Yeah. I'm going to make my Return of the Jedi case. I like Return of the Jedi. It's Esther always three. been my favorite. I don't know if that's my three yet. It's always been my favorite of the Star Wars movies. Um, mostly because of the first part of it. I really love Jabba's Palace and the Pleasure Cruiser part. Um, I've seen that so many times. I think I stopped after that a lot when I was little. Um, but yeah, you guys are probably right. It's Return of the King. Hey! <laughs> I can't believe you forced me to choose Lord of the Rings. The funny thing about the endings. <laughs> oh, God, he's about to correct <laughs> us. Oh, he's going to talk about how the Shire was destroyed by. See, I think it's, you, you've said this so many times, I could predict it. I won't say it. Well, that's um, another thing, too. Yeah, because there's. How, how does that work in the books again? Saruman. No, I'm being serious because there's. It's called like. Is it called the sacking of the Shire in the books, right? And they, yeah, yeah. Saruman actually escapes from Isengard in the books and makes his way back. Where, they, to, where they're taking the hobbits. 
What? What? They're taking the Havis Dysinger in. Oh. Do you remember the internet? <laughs> and takes the uh, takes and goes back to the Shire, and along with um, some of the unsavory characters that I don't really think you meet in the movies, but like Dingleberry, Bree, um, Bill Fernie, and a couple of other people in the Shire kind of takes over the Shire and turns it into like a factory and and enslaves all the people, and you get. Frodo and Sam and Mary and Pippin coming back as these like war heroes and they like have their own big battle, just the four of them that they win. And it's like, they come back to their little world and are the, the big fish in a small pond kind of thing. Um, and then, and then you get all those endings is kind of how it works. But I don't really think that would work in the movie. So I'm not like angry about that. Um, I am angry about the, the, the dead people. Mm. but yeah it just it just yeah it basks in the endings it 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 understands that you want the warm feeling of an of a tied up loose end and it does that very well it accepts the value of finality too which batman doesn't you know it's this constant need to like you know we can't just accept that something is over and enjoy the earnestness of that because he's not earnest it has to be like oh it looks like this other thing's starting up which is i find obnoxious and i think also like the endings are so effective in lord of the rings as opposed to star wars whereas in lord of the rings star wars doesn't really do a great job of letting you feel like you've really had enough time to cool down with the people you love I mean, Carrie Fisher's too stoned out of her mind. Like, I mean, they just, they sort of just like stare at each other, like Carrie and, uh, or I should say Leia and Han. And then, but like the most of the people you see celebrating are like Ewoks. And like, we've known you for 45 minutes. Like, I don't give a shit. And like the other people in the universe, like, yes, we get it. Everyone's happy, but I don't care about everyone. I care about these people. Yeah, And they kind of dodge paying attention to those people. Yeah, what? What what good what Lord of the Rings does well is it starts out small, gets huge, and as obviously it's at its biggest towards the end of Return of the Thing, but then gets small again. Like you want to, you don't want to be like, oh, I, I'm seeing all of these worlds that I've never seen before at the yeah. end of the third movie. You want Lord of the Rings measurements, three people. <laughs> these three people these four hobbits well since you called since you said Jabba's palace by name I think I have the right to respond to Return of the Jedi which I've gone back and forth as a kid it was definitely my favorite How could it not? and I go back and forth between Empire and Jedi usually landing on Jedi and the older I got started to appreciate Empire Strikes Back a lot more one it was always like an after I sort of like always left one behind it always felt kind of like an afterthought to me or just so distinct from and separate from from Empire and Jedi and that's kind of how I've come to now feel about it with this most recent watch I mean there are some I think the color and photography of the early parts of one are just like incredible, but overall it's kind of slow. It's kind of boring. Uh, and again, it, it ultimately, when you watch the rest of them just like feels kind of separate. Um, 
But what I have found so confounding about Return of the Jedi is like the bread and butter of Star Wars filmmaking is parallel storylines that are parallelly edited together. And the fact that you go to Jabba's palace and do not leave Jabba's palace until mm. um, like Luke leaves for Dagobah and they go forth to, you know, I guess like get the mission briefing for, for Endor is just really, really bizarre to me and really kind of kills a lot of the momentum for me. Like the fact that that is not intercut with some other storyline, like Vader and the emperor, you know, like tooling around or something. I don't know. Um, like it isn't too. Like, yeah, just like like the combination of like, but that's like always Star Wars and it's not there for some reason. And just like the fact that in a vacuum, it's just like kind of hard to just like sit in the same spot for, you know, 35 minutes or however long it is. It's kind of weird. But but it's in terms of aesthetics and whatnot, like, yeah, Jabba's Palace is like one of my favorite things about all of Star Wars and definitely the biggest thing I think Return of the Jedi has going for it, or at least why I put so much stock in it is just the all the space stuff like with with lando as the general and the millennium falcon and that whole battle whatever you want to call it space battle battle of endor i think is 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 what it's called um it's just there's there's nothing that parallels that in terms of that specific part of star wars throughout all of the movies in my opinion um but the rest of it is just kind of is kind of rough especially with yeah, like Rachel said, I mean, not to pile on Carrie Fisher, but she's just like so out of it in that movie. And it's so obvious. And Harrison Ford was just so over it. And it shows. And yeah. Yeah. Not the best. Can we do best trilogy? Yep. Best yeah. trilogy is the before movies. And I don't care what anyone has to say about it. And I'm going to say a lot of earnest shit about love right now. So get ready. I'll cover my strap ears. Strap on. <laughs> strap no, on. It's just too <laughs> Number one. <laughs> strap in. <laughs> got, your, got your love survival kit. I'm number no. one. Okay. Well, first, I just think, well, here's why I think it's great. Just like at a meta level, I love that, like, they did not necessarily intend to make three, but it's just these characters are so good. And as these people progressed in their lives, they realized this thing I'm feeling right now is interesting and we can make a movie about it. There's a, there's a certain organicness to like the translation between like when they made Before Sunrise, they didn't know how they would feel when they were 35. And you know what I mean? So they couldn't predict that that would be worth making a movie about. But so to me, so much of the movie and it's kind of sad for Richard Linklater because now this whole like exploration of change over time has become his shtick and I don't think it'll ever be as good as when he did it organically um you know and but there's like just something so true about that and what I love about the movie is that it's like I genuinely think that at least from my experience like when I first saw it and I was like young and in love the first one I was all about because I really related to the sort of smugness of young love of like look at us like we're doing it like oh we're in love like fuck everybody we figured it out which is their whole deal the whole time they're just both so pleased with themselves that they found each other when, when did you first see the first one probably like wait like a year into andy and i being together okay 
So I was a little bit twenty-five. Like three. It was three years into our. No, it wasn't. It was really. Yeah. Because I feel so I, different I trust now. It. Andy remembers this shit. So, and you're from my family who can't remember shit. <laughs> well, I just really identified with the first one, and now as an old, I mean, it's, I guess I didn't get that much older, but I feel so. I felt so much more identifying with the second one, whereas I kind of, you know, this feeling of. Uh, I found their sort of existential dread very dumb at first. And now as I approach and I'm in my thirties, I kind of see it a little bit more and, you know, watching, like having that had that happen to me, I still find before midnight tough, but I also like haven't lived that yet. And I'm sure I will. I mean, no offense, Andy, we won't be that bad to each other, but like, there's a certain point like you just are older and you have a family and you're kind of, wondering what all that means and like i honestly don't think i can actually judge that movie until i felt like i've lived that time in my life and i really like that about it um the characters are very well it's like one of those perfect things that's like i like flowery writing i'm kind of a sucker for flowery writing but not often do you get flowery writing like paired with somewhat believable complex characters you know like there's something heightened about it like this is you're kind of aware that this is what these people wish they would say. Like this is what like these people wish that they would sound like. Um, which is why I think the screenplay is really good. The progression is great. It's just an amazing love story. I love that idea of like these like um, time constraints are ultimately so artificial and breakable and they kind of end up, you know, and like I said before, how in the second one they do just end up exploding it and say like, we don't actually have this time constraint. I love the beginning of the second one, which is what you talked about earlier of like breaking down Ethan Hawke's like thing, you know? Um, and also trying to sort of get a feel like why actually she wasn't there. Like she said, her grandmother died. I believe that, but like, would she really have showed up otherwise? Like I always am like a little bit skeptical of how earnest she is when she's like, I genuinely wanted to go. And I get the sense that the movie is like trying to get you there. Cause she's just so not embarrassed by it. I think you need the first one. Um, I know that you say that he's really annoying in the first one, but again, I think that that's a lot of the smugness of like young people at the beginning of a relationship of just feeling like, like they did it. Like they're just very pleased with themselves. I don't know. It's so good. I could watch them over and over again. They serve each other so well. They're a beautiful combination of, they weren't all, there's like genuinely organic where they weren't all thought of as one story, like Lord of the Rings is, but like these people kept in touch and they're like, okay, we understand these characters well enough that now that we're living this part of our lives, we want to return to them and sort of process our feelings about that through them, which is like the perfect way of doing that. So yeah, it's the before movies. It's the best trilogy. It's what Judd Apatow wishes he could do. <laughs> it's what Richard Linkletter wishes he could do. <laughs> like he keeps trying and it's not as good. I, 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 understand what you're saying about how i don't don't know if i could understand or enjoy before midnight until i'm old enough where i do where i would but i think it's just a personal thing where like watching two people fight i think it, it is a good movie in that at different points in their fight you're like oh she's just she's like f setting traps for him and wants him to fuck up and he also is reacting terribly to that like 
you're angry at both of them. Neither of them are right. Neither of them are wrong. But it's still, I just, it's just hard for me to watch. Like I just, the, both the first and the third ones are just hard for me to watch in very different ways. And I, and the second one was just like a breeze. It was, it just went down so smooth. And I also just kind of didn't love the ending of Before Midnight, where like, like after all of that, after she says, I don't think I love you anymore, he makes that last speech, including a bit of an ultimatum. And she's just like, okay, fine, I give in. And I can't, and, and again, maybe I, I've never had, I've never had a fight anywhere near that with a significant other. Um, so I can't truly understand what it takes to get back from that space. And maybe it really does just take her being like, okay, I give in, I'll play your game. I see that as that maybe is not the first time she has said that to him. She's clearly very dramatic. She likes saying extreme things. Yeah, and he, his reaction to it is, I mean, he's pretty. I don't know. He, I could, I could go either way on that. I think it might have been the first time she said that to him, and he is devastated. I think that it would still be if, if someone you deeply love says that to you a second time. It still sucks. But I get the sense that maybe she's. But I mean, her. it does have precedence in the in the car. She's like. What does she say in the car? That's just absolutely wild. Um, no, she she says wild things the whole time. That's her shtick. She likes hearing extreme mm. things come out of her mouth. She says more intense things than she does the whole three movies. Just about the um, like. Oh, this she, is when we start like to break paranoid about him wanting to go back to the U.S. Yes, yeah, she said in the car. She said, "This is when we start to break up." Like that's. So I guess, which is breaking up. Uh, <laughs> Andy says that as a joke sometimes. <laughs> I do. You you've said that before as a joke. I don't know if I've said it since we've been married. I think I maybe said it, I would like play it a, or That's say it a you lot. Say we're getting a divorce. It's- I don't think I, I maybe no, once I said that. it as a joke, but like very overtly as a joke. No, it's always um, a joke. I always laugh. It's never like whatever. Right. I. It sounds funny to me. Um, I don't really have the similar problems that at least Sam has talked about with three. Uh, I just, the middle of three is so weird. I love the car ride. I love the car ride. I am not. uh, The Apple. Like that should have been, it was one of my objects and I forgot to mention it. (laughs) That's a great one. Um, I, I'm not that uh, squeamish about, you know, once they're alone again, like in the hotel and whatnot. Uh, when they throw I down. Just, the whole, like when they're at the, when they're still at the house where they've been staying and the dinner and everything, I just like, why? I don't, it's why. I have a reason why I've been thinking about it. I think that like them going around the table and everyone like sharing their love stories. I think that there's like an interesting point to be made there about like, as a relationship progresses, there's this tension between like your origin story and like your the lore of the relationship, especially with them. You could imagine like what an epic lore and then what's actually happening. And the lore like becomes like kind of a comfort in a way, but also kind of a tension, you know? Um, 
their origin story like I think that they do need to tell that like they need to tell their origin story to people and they need to have people react to that and that needs to be in there but like him talking with the other dude about his book ideas can go oh, <laughs> like, nice. we pitch don't need that pitch, very <laughs> I, I really thought we were gonna get like uh Chekhov's staring at an ass when he was looking at that young woman go into the house you know oh yeah 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 but again, um, I think the bread and you butter. Get, of the you wouldn't get Stephanos if you didn't have that. Uh... Stephanos. Stephanos. Um. I just don't understand this, like from both, from from for so many on so many levels. I just don't understand the the departure from what is otherwise ever present in the trilogy, which is like them on the move talking. Um, whether it's in a car or like later through those monuments or for lack of a better term, like the, just like the abrupt, like, well, we're at a dinner party for the next 35 minutes. Hope you're ready for that. Cause this was the second time we watched it. Yeah. And we watched it the first time we saw it. I think we got, I think we still had a physical Netflix, uh, subscription and we had just watched i think it was the first one we watched together because i watched the first one and then pr- did some proselytizing it's oh you got to watch this and then i watched the second one it's oh you know what I mean? the second one's even better and then we together for the first time watched um it's such a bummer to watch together watched i hated three. it the first time so yeah and it's like well that was time. fucking disappointing you hated, you hated the third one the first yeah, time we watched ca- it and then that's why i have this theory i'm gonna like the third one as i get older um and then because i keep liking it more c- kind of exiting the car scene for the watch for for this episode i thought oh yeah i'm really yeah, i'm really into this car scenes so but then they're just i'm just so winded by the time they get to the hotel because it's like why were i i don't care about these other people at the dinner party um I think and, and, and then by then it's pretty much over, which doesn't help the fact to what Sam brought up, but that it just kind of my 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 beef with the ending is just more structural than the content of it and character decisions because it's just kind of that's just kind of it. Um, and you, I feel kind of cheated and. Be like, well, like, can I just like have, could you shave off some of the stuff at this professor's house or writer's house or wherever they are and give me a little bit I more think, of them together? I think you need that because, okay, so here, so in the beginning, they're not alone because they're with their kids. And first of all, if they, if the only other people in the whole movie were the kids, the thesis of the movie would be their ruined, their life was ruined because of kids, right? Like they'd be like, oh, they can't be this way because of their kids because the kids get in the way. So like, it takes so long to get to just the two of them. And you're sort of like hinting that things are wrong, but you kind of are hopeful that once it's just the two of them, they'll be able to like mend it. Cause maybe what's been the problem this whole time is like the fact that they have all of these, like they're in the world now, like, you know, love is real now, kind of like what they were talking about in the first two movies, but like genuinely at the core, they're like still themselves. And then you realize that they're not, and it's like freaking heartbreaking but then you realize that they kind of are. I think you need all that. I think it's brilliant. I mean, it's hard to watch. I get it. And lags. Like, I don't need to see him talk about his book. I don't need to see them talk about the tomatoes. I don't need to see them do the small talk. But like, I think you need all of it. I don't. I think you don't want 
the movie to be too much of them by themselves. It is. I guess I will say it's, it is like a video game in that way that like you get to the end and it's like, now you have to like write a fake letter as a time traveler <laughs> and present it to the final boss. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I enjoyed the fight. I enjoyed, but I, I felt it. I mean, obviously, once they started to have, like, there was no way they were actually going to have sex. Like, I, you know that something's going to interrupt and they are going to start fighting, partially just because they keep talking a lot. And you're like, there's just no way one of them is not going to say something that stops this in its tracks. And the, fa- and the fact that it's the call is an interesting, the call from uh, from his son is an interesting thing. Um I don't know. It just escalates so much and t- is is so spends so much time at such a high point, a high frequency the fight does. Yeah, the fight's just, very I'm hard just to watch. Worn so worn down by the end that I'm like, I'm worn down and I just watched this fight. Is she really gonna just be like okay? Like I just yeah, I see it as like they're just like very extreme people. Like I'm not a yelly person. I cannot maintain yelling. I have never really yelled at anybody for any purpose. Like they're just like they just have big feelings, and it's just like the way they do things. Yeah. Like I all like I I think that that's like another thing is, I think you have to translate for the movie to work. And this is the last thing I'll say about you have to translate their characters through the whole thing. There, he's not saying that is marriage, that all marriages are like that. Like, that is what these two people would be like with the wear and tear of this relationship. They're just very extreme. They're big talkers. They're big feelers. You know, most people don't sit around and philosophize while they're falling in love. Most of the time, they just like, you know, do the things that normal people do. So I think that like, yes, it's a very cynical and hard to take view if you're like, if he's, if you're thinking like, he's good, like Richard Linkletter thinks my marriage is going to be like this. It's like, no, he doesn't. And it's not because I'm not them. Like they're them. They're very extreme. They're very big. And this is how they do things. I genuinely, they've probably had a fight that was like this, but like 95% of it before. Yeah. This is how they do things. So that's your that's my best, best trilogy. trilogy. Andy, what's your best trilogy? In the context of a trilogy, which I guess I was using the same metric for best uh, or most marathonable or whatever we called it, uh, is Lord of the Rings. Because um, it is checking all of the boxes a, a trilogy should check it probably has i mean close i i I say in my notes here that the godfather is close but again given sort of the sort of behind the scenes of the godfather and that three was sort of this afterthought i do think you get a good ending in three um but to reiterate points I, I I shared before, I mean, the Lord of the Rings was like written as a single thing. Then they cut it into three. Then they filmed them all at the same time with the same people uh, in front of and behind the camera. And uh, 
so it you know it feels like a a contained thing um so yeah i mean i i guess i want my trilogy to be marathonable <laughs> um so it so it's it it fits that role for me not sure how much more there is to to really be said about it we've talked so much about it already um but in, yeah, in terms of this question definitely lord of the rings is that yours too sam that is mine as well no surprise And yeah, yeah, and I feel like I'm after. I mean, Rachel recorded a whole podcast in and of itself with her talk of of before, so I feel like sorry oh, if I took forever. Oh, not at all. I I'm feel just like saying, we hadn't really just not talked much, about it yet, though. There's yeah. Um, is there anything to add, Schmoolies? The boy wonder. Given. No, Um, I just think that there's in, in definitely Batman and also in, in, in Star Wars to a certain extent, they're kind of built up of good moments and good scenes and good set pieces, but in sometimes lack character development or, or the glue or a myriad of other things, pacing and things like that. Um, and Lord of the Rings kind of has the best of, of both of those worlds in terms of you get you get the arcs of, of Sam and, and Merry and Pippin and, and Aragorn uh, and also amazing set pieces and things that you're like, oh, we're getting to this part. I forgot about this scene. Um, I'm so excited. Um, I always forget about the storming of the of Isengard by the ends. It's well, there are issues with it, uh, especially the lead up to it. There's I love that scene and and um, I love the fact that in the extended edition, the horns, the uh, the the trees from from Fangorn come down and actually do like greet the orcs coming out of Helm's Deep. Uh, I think that's a great part of the movies. But that's a very small thing. But yeah, it's Lord of the Rings for me. And, uh... It would have been my number two. The best thing I ever saw. I don't know. It's a tie between two right now for me. It's either Godfather 1 or Before Sunrise. And I don't know which one it is. Did you misspeak? Do you mean sunset? I meant sunset, yeah. Yeah. I was say, you. There's no way you would have said <laughs> That's it for me, too. That's yours? Godfather 1 or Before Sunset? Yeah, with, like, maybe Fellowship in there, but not really. But maybe. Maybe. Andy's is Godfather 2. Best thing I ever saw is the Godfather. Part two, get Bane <laughs> pranked. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's the best thing. It's it's the best thing I ever saw. Period. Oh. Boop, boop, boop. 
We got big announcements today. Everybody wake up. We're going to have to cut this cut this slice off for when we do like the Sammy the Moyle going back pot. <laughs> going back to so when everyone That's a character I, I, from Godfather Part 2, right? Yeah. At that point, everyone will have said there, this is the best thing I ever saw, period. And we'll scrunch them all together into one episode where it's each person talking about the best thing I ever saw, period. Sure. Okay, Andy. Yeah. Hit it. Um, so many things. I guess this is more this is more applicable to Godfather. We didn't talk about this much. But again, anybody who sits down and talks about the Godfather talks about... Um, the lighting, the just like the tone of it, how it's just like, you know, it's like sitting up like the Godfather, like the Godfather palette is like the Gryffindor common room. And it's just <laughs> like so, co- co- it's just so comforting and, and warm. And I can't remember who to attribute it to, but I was reading something on it once and it talked about how it was like shot like a Rembrandt painting, which again is just is, is very accurate and of course two is a lot like that as well and is just i think gorgeously shot gorgeously produced it's you know no no wonder why it, it, it won um best i think it was best produ- art production right that it won looking at my yeah just um so much but yeah so so the 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 general look of it i i think like ultimately at my core i my some of my favorite things are just pretty simplistic straightforward shakespearean storytelling um which the godfather writ large clearly is uh it is the sort of it, it is the standard bearer of how to successfully do um, prequel work and like casting, like recasting and casting younger and and what and, and, and whatnot. It, at least in terms of um, what I have consumed is, or has visually written like one's frame of reference for progressive era America um in terms of like what like 1900s 19 teens 1920s new york looks like and feels like um it's some of the best acting of all time by de niro and cazale and and pacino um it's just it's like in my opinion the most rewatchable epic of their like american epic as epics can tend to be like overwrought and, and dry and, and long, but I could like sit down and watch it. Like whenever it's infinitely quotable, probably my favorite stuff from it is the congressional stuff. I just, oh, I, I love, 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 love the, um, the stuff with, with, with um, Pantangeli, who is, it's just like such a, like, I don't know, like on the one hand, I like you resent it because and I, I'm forgetting the name of the character on the spot but you know there's tons of behind the scenes literature on how like clearly Pantangeli is supposed to be 
um, whoever Bruno Kirby um, is playing in the flashbacks who isn't Abe Vigoda. It's the other one. It's the one who like teaches Michael how to shoot in Godfather. I forget that character's name, but like clearly Pantangeli is supposed to be him, um, but they couldn't get that actor on board or whatever. So they had to invent Pantangeli, but like that character in himself is like amazing and responsible for a lot of just like inane things I say around the house. And I love the whole like, <laughs> You know, like, whereas there's, like, the, like, the Rembrandtiness of the first one, it's, like, like how they basically try to do, like, the David painting with Pantangeli killing himself in the bathtub. It's just, I guess it's, like, maybe, like, a little basic to be, like, oh, you made it look like that painting that, you know, people who know about paintings are supposed to, like. Cool. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's the greatest movie ever. The thing I respect most about Godfather 2 is that it is like, it doesn't fall into an overly set piece trap. Like in a way, it is about like a beautiful, wonderful, interesting time in Cuba and in Vegas. And like a worst filmmaker would not have had the guts to like not spend tons of time in just like spectacle. Like we're gonna show you how cool 1950s Vegas or 40s. No, 50s, 1950s, 1950s Vegas is. We're going to show you, like, I always am shocked that, like, the Cubist stuff, like, the stuff where, like, the Cuban revolution happens, like, goes by so fast. Because it doesn't serve the story, and it ultimately does not serve the Shakespearean development of the characters. And I just think it takes a lot of guts to, like, not show that. Yeah. And I kind of love that. The most beautiful thing they shoot in Cuba, in my opinion, is the hospital. The cake. That, oh, for me, it's the hospital that he's at. Just yeah. like the open floor plan. It's just like a very interesting. And also, I love the, the comparing that to the to the New York scene, hospital scene. I mean, they work so well as a dual, a duality. Um, yeah. There's so many echoes. I just um, love how everything about it serves character. Everything about it serves this like yeah like you said shakespearean drama and it's oh and I, I in terms of like happy production accidents like the pantangeli thing you know they wanted it to be that other character but they ended up with pantangeli and he's you know the the greatest the 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 one of the closing scenes like which is the flashback to i guess it'd be like slightly before the start of godfather when it's um, Vito's birthday and they couldn't get Brando on board to come. So he's like addressed off screen and I can hardly like really put it into words, but there's just something so, I don't know, sentimental and beautiful about that scene and how it sort of, Again, it's, it's very obvious and, and archetypal, but how it sort of paints all four of them as, you know, major like personality archetypes where like Fredo's like the gentle kind one and Michael is, I guess, sort of like the Gryffindor and um, James Kahn is the Slytherin and Robert Duvall is the Ravenclaw. Um, I don't know. There's just it's, I, I really like that kind of 
obvious stuff uh, for lack of a better term i like it yeah i think it might be i think it's probably objectively the best made and written movie on the bunch i think that though like i just it's just like a personal taste thing like i don't i don't know to me it's ultimately a movie about someone becoming less human and i don't i'm not interested in that as much like to me he's just a shell by the end of it and i like don't even know if that's like that doesn't ring very true to me like i've never watched someone become a shell you know what i mean like i've never watched that happen and maybe it does i don't know but like that's why and i think godfather one i probably put on there because i know that godfathers are the better movies of the bunch and one is my preference but I think ultimately the best thing I ever saw is before sunset. Like, I think that that's it. Like, I think I because there, I, yeah. to, to me, that's more like this idea of like the movie, they like, yeah, become more human because sort of like closer to the humanity that they, you know, that there's that from the beginning that I said about like understanding each other becomes this magic. And I love that, like, to some extent in that movie, because they're coming with baggage. Well, I guess in both movies, they have to shed um some degree of artifice to like actually connect with each other uh they do it in the first one too because they both have a lot of bravado or whatever and they have to shed that to connect with each other and then they have to shed the artifice of like yeah like sam was saying before with their sort of fake meeting and it's also just two people talking to each other and like what they're talking about is very different than in the first one which i love what they're talking about is kind of not just like oh man society can get you down like this like you know them relative to their parents which is so present in the first one it's basically like them relative to themselves it's like what kind of person do I want to be not relative to anybody else is a lot of what they talk about in the second one and that I don't know really resonates with me I find that that's really beautiful the ending is just so good that song is so good I mean everyone knows it's it's, I find it so amazing and her like little dance yeah, you're not gonna get on that plane and he says i know and one of two famous i knows in this trilogy yeah, yeah i know yeah. true and just yeah it's just it's i would just i know that probably godfathers are better main movies uh there's a lot about befores that are extremely masturbatory and kind of unnecessary but it's just i would rather be watching a story about that than a story about killing a lot of people to become less human yeah i don't it's like yeah, god, 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 i just can't get down with like you want to sit down and watch three three hours of a dude convince himself to kill his brother and i'm like nah <laughs> and i think why I, i'm i'm gonna go with godfather part one because it's a little bit better of a hang than godfather part two <laughs> like it's just it's not as long. It's just easier to watch. Like it's not as long. I don't. I don't particularly love the setting. I kind of like it. This more singular, like New York and its environs, parts of Godfather Part One. Um, rather than, I mean, I love the Cuba part. I love the scene where they're at the party and like, at that. It's at that point when the government folds and they kind of like create i just think that that's such an amazing point at which to see these 
people who have all are so supportive of the government because it is beneficial to them and then realizing oh shit we are the we are the people these people these revolutionaries hate and that all in one scene i think is such a cool part of the movie but it's just it's just it's just a lot and i i am with rachel like he slowly very slowly just becomes the villain throughout the movie and I kind of like it more when he is he is the good guy. I really like his his arc in the first movie. Really, really a lot. He is like the guy who is purposely took himself out of the family and is kind of brought down. He's not he's not evil at the end of it, but he's brought down. He has been forced to go down to their level. Um, but to defend his family. Like yeah, he sees yeah. it as 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 supporting his family and yeah. and keeping his father's whatever alive but he knows by the end of the second one his father would not have wanted him to kill his own brother yeah yeah so yeah i'm going for godfather part one uh i don't know how many times we've all picked different movies more often than not anyway burn in questions Number one. Are you, you a answer? one, oh, okay. a two, or <laughs> are you a one or two or a three in the larger trilogy sense? I couldn't remember. Was this like a personality test? Like, are you yeah, more of a one? Yeah, yeah. Like, Not like, know. would you prefer to watch a? Yes. Yeah. Personality test. Oh, personality I'm a test. one. I'm a one. I'm like all, all, all uh, accelerator. <laughs> Like, I love setting things up. I love getting things going. I love, you know, like, I'm always, I front end a lot of stuff. I'm not necessarily always great at the finishing everything off. I'm a one. I'm a, a I'm here. I'm a one. I'm a two. Yeah, I was gonna, it's almost like shy. the one that's gonna, that's gonna come up later. Um, I, but I got a lot of interests. I got a lot of plots going on. Uh, it's a good warm up for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I don't know exactly why I'm not a three. I'm not bombastic. Like I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. Just two makes more sense. See, I would have said I'm a one, Sam's a two, and Rachel's a three. I guess it's just how you define it. Okay, so tell me why I'm a three. I think I could believe I'm a three, too. I knew I was either a three or a one. Well, three, kind of what Sam was saying, is, is just sort of sweeping and big and bombastic to say what, you know, just to, to borrow Sam's language and just sort of... I mean, I feel like three is a firstborn. One okay. is a, like a youngest... And two is like a like quirky middle child, which so I mean like Sam and I would be ones or twos. Just okay, I believe that I'm a three. I'm also like there. I also because I, I don't know if fun. ones uh, ones generally don't come at you fast. They're not like right. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're that's right. what I was. Yeah, ones are a little bit more deliberate. Threes are let's wrap this shit up, executors, but let's feel good about it. So I actually think I probably am. Three. Think, yeah, it's I not just bad are. qualities. I like the one, two, three. Yeah. But Anthony's like a, a one. Yeah. 
I'm not a Samantha. <laughs> Who else would you want to be? First one that came to mind. I don't know. It's tricky, Miranda. right? I get. You want to yeah, be that's Miranda? True, that's true, that's true. Everyone yeah. wants to be Miranda anyway. Yeah. Even though yeah, Sam's a Charlotte. Three. I swear to fucking God, Sam is also, such a Charlotte. A- fucking oh God, Sam Charlotte. is such a Charlotte. Charlotte's the fucking worst. You literally in have our, the same job. In our life, Andy's also. No, we also- don't. Close enough. I feel like in our house also, it's like and a man, I play an the old role. man paying your vagina. I play the role of like, Andy's certainly the one in that he's usually does much more careful, like deliberate setting up of things. Like if we have something to do and it's a week before Andy's doing it, but if someone needs to finish something and like wrap shit up, it's usually me. <laughs> like, like we're getting yeah. divorced. <laughs> <We're not. laughs> I don't love you anymore. Quote. That's my favorite quote. <laughs> God, that was the worst. That's the worst. I don't think I love you anymore. I don't think I love you anymore. Favorite quote. Okay. Burning questions. Action figure dreams. AFDs. I got two. They're both Godfather related. One is what I'm calling a Tickle Me Mancini, which is like a stuffed uh, Andy Garcia that when you depress his midsection, he says like the best ridiculous Andy Garcia jokes from Godfather Part 3. Like, I say we take Zaza out! (laughs) And then sometimes he just says, Zaza. A little more grounded, a little more grounded one. My second one is like, just, I want the, like the, like a faux vintage and like, you know, like it would be in like a cardboard box with like the photography that looks really dated, like an old, like seventies, eighties place set. Like I want the Lake Tahoe compound, Corleone compound oh, play set. Yeah. I want the like Playmobil. Boats the- and- <laughs> And I want like even like a little uh, like a little like aunt like the son's like drawing that he leaves for him that says like do you like this yes or no and you get like a little plastic square of that and I want oh that's it. better than mine you get specifically two windows I want you get like, windows that, that are that are fine and then you get like some sort of like those expensive toys you can buy where you can replace the windows with like shot out windows. <laughs> curtains open you, you can close the curtains you can open the curtains in my home where my kids leave me little quizzes about their drawings <laughs> Rachel what are your actions mine is dreams? a thing that actually exists although I now I wish I had the playmobile of the compound specifically the Playmobil I'd want, but I, mine's the thing that exists, which is a Lego Minas Tirith with all of the dudes from the third act of Return of the King that you could like act out the last bit with the bowing and all that stuff. That was what so was going to be. Reality. But mine is like, like the bottom is, I'm thinking like maybe six feet tall. Like from yeah, the base yeah. level. Well, it would need to be that tall to fit all the Legos of all the characters exactly, on exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I want that big. And it also like you can actually go through like the 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 way the city is set up where it's kind of set in these levels and kind of goes the switchback effect, but also going through the ridge that comes out. I want it to be so that the back half 
you can push it against a wall so it looks like it's built into the thing, but yep. then you can turn it and open it and like shit's going on inside. And it has to have uh, some some sort of lighting, the some fire possibilities in the first. Mm. Uh, fire possibilities is the new branding of the fire, fire festival. Possibilities. In <laughs> uh, the first, uh, the what's it called? The blanket minister. The uh, the pyre. The lighting. Sure. The fire pyre. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, uh, burning question three. Anyone longer or shorter, or like less than three or more than three, uh, for like, does a trilogy need more or less? Which I guess is kind of a uh, goes into the PS triple R. Yeah. As well, can we get into the PS triple R, or can we do that in the PS triple R? Yeah, sure, let's do yeah. that in the PS triple R. Yeah. Uh, what color would uh, your lightsaber be? <laughs> Mine's yellow. Mine's orange. I, yeah, I, I really was, like that yellow one. I was thinking like, oh, will it be like a misfitty, like one that nobody has before, like only one person? But no, nah, I just think green. I think technically it's maybe canonically recorded somewhere that like blue is for like really aggro people and green is for more like, you know introspective meditative like i, I like this story people so green for me i like the story of the white lightsaber even though it's not it's not the story is not contained within uh within the original trilogy but the whole like taking a uh taking a what is it corrupted oh, crystal, crystal and purifying it taking a corrupted cor- cor- kyber crystal and purifying it is how you get white lightsabers like What's her name? Oh, Ahsoka. In Does Ahsoka have that? Ahsoka Tana yeah. has two white lightsabers. Yeah, but I'm going orange. Um, orange. Which which fellowship member are your two co-hosts? Ooh, I got you, fuckers. Okay, you say so, ours first. Should we like newlywed game each other? <laughs> oh, I think that would be kind of complicated if we have three. Uh, Three different people guessing and playing at the same time. Um, Andy, go first. All right, so Sam is Legolas. Ah, I was gonna say Sam. Sam is definitely Legolas. <laughs> Sam, it's because you're the cute one. We Not are. as Sam, you are the Charlotte Not of the Tolkien verse. <laughs> fucking hate you guys. But yeah, oh my god, yeah, you're if you're the you're yeah. Yeah. Sam, you're ultra competent. You're very calm, but you also kind of have this like remove about you in situations that you don't really you like you're not like me who like throws themselves into everything just because you can. When you're in a vibe that you don't like, you kind of like that's legolas. And you're gorgeous. I think the simpler explanation is just he's an elf. There's one elf in the fellowship and his name is Legolas. <laughs> that's easy. <laughs> oh god so i know what i'm gonna be then according to you cool great say it i have two say options it. for you say it, it. Is Gimli. <laughs> i'd be happy Gimli's cool <laughs> but Gimli is the wild boar Gimli of the Gimli's the wild hang. boar the of, best the, hang. of the fellowship you're not supposed to call you Gimli. that's a rule <laughs> hey i'd be floored man. <laughs> But yeah, totally Gimli. But again, it's sort of uh, like this, yeah, yeah. 
The second I heard the Samson elf, I'm like, well, I'm a dwarf. So cool. I, I Gimli is like one of the best characters. But like, he's not like wonder, like, I don't know. He's fun. But like all of all of these are not that great. I don't. What do you mean that great? Yeah, what? they're all great. Like what? He's like he. Well, he's at times he's stubborn, but he's like he's sturdy <laughs> in his beliefs. <laughs> I mean, I, again, the, to to reduce these he's, things, he like... doesn't take shit too seriously. He is like jovial. Um, <laughs> he's aggro, bombastic. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that you were maybe going to say that I was Boromir. You kept saying and that leading up to this. Better? I don't know what you're... Yeah, yeah like, Boromir, well, he's hotter. <laughs> but I think it's like, so the hobbits are Hufflepuffs. The hobbits are Hufflepuffs. The men are Slytherin. Oh, the elves. All the hobbits aren't Hufflepuffs. Sam is Hufflepuff. To paint in broad strokes, the elves are Ravenclaws. The dwarves are Gryffindors. Frodo is Slytherin. But you could, I'm saying, yeah, obviously you could break the four hobbits down into the four houses, but to, I think you, obviously J.K. Rowling owes a lot of debts to the archetypes that Tolkien set up because the dwarves are very Gryffindory, the elves are very Ravenclaw-y, the hobbits are very Hufflepuffy, and the men are very Slytherin-y. And Rachel, okay. despite, despite what Quiz would say, Rachel's way. pretty Gryffindory and... The I'm Gryffindor. just like, I'm, I'm pretty Ravenclaw too. Um, okay, okay, I'll go so next. Okay, so Andy, I fe- okay, fine. Well, I'm gonna, I just, I want this to just be sweet. You're gonna try and pin Gimli on me. No, I'm not. So I, the only I, answer for Andy is fucking Aragorn, and it's no fair that you get to be like the hottest, oh, best really? one. That been I don't yes. think that, I think he's also Legolas. Mine uh, was, yeah, he's, yeah. I have two options. He's Legolas and you're Gimli, or he's Merry and you're Pippin. Yeah, I thought you guys were gonna yeah, gonna say Mary or Legolas or Gandalf or Aragorn. I like I, I think if, if you're gonna go, I'm like a, I think Andy, you're Mary and Rachel, you're Pippin. That's definitely it's, like our vibe, like as a team. Like Andy's yeah. the Mary and I'm the Pippin. And I think that you work oh my god, it, thank god it, we're not Sam and Frodo though, Andy. Oh my god, can you imagine if we were like a Sam and Frodo couple? That would end up us being before midnighting like yesterday. <laughs> and Frodo, Frodo is Celine and Sam and is Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Frodo says, I don't think I love you anymore. Yeah, and Sam says, Frodo. I'll carry you. writes <laughs> a fake note. Oh my god. Cut to the end of Lord of the Rings when Sam opens the book from Frodo and it's like the fake note. I'll assume a time traveler thing. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I'm laughing. Okay, so yeah, I said, yeah, I said Marion Pippin. What did you say, Rachel? Well, I think that Andy's an Aragorn. And first of all, I think it's because like to go with the Slytherin, I think Andy's a Slytherin, like fundamentally, but he's like the least bad kind of Slytherin. I think Andy is an Aragorn. Yeah, but you can't, nobody can say they're a Slytherin anymore. So I gotta, like. What do you mean, no one feel... because all the Slytherins storm the White House? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. <laughs> but I at the White House like... Congress? <laughs> no, th- those were all uh, those were all people who went to. Um... Durmstrang. Durmstrang. Yeah, Durmstrang. <laughs> Doesn't count. No, I. Yeah, um, we talked about this. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty. Anyways. But yeah. Um, 
Well, I guess, I guess this is why I think Andy is an Aragorn. It's because Andy's the king of like a combination of slow burn. This is like going to be like deeper than whatever, but it's like slow burn power. Like, I think that you like are very, you like have a lot of capacity to like really like take up a lot of space in a situation. And you generally come into that more slowly. You're extremely loyal. Aragorn's extremely loyal. You are a, like a little quieter. That's Aragorn. Um, you have like, like a like a sexy rooting man quality to you, and I think that that's kind of Aragorn. It could be the three hunters. You could hunt some orc. But Gimli, I also like Gimli, the, Legolas, and Aragorn. <laughs> oh my god! Get get the like Gimli and aragorn like a hot hot fanfic between the two of us right now but i also like the mary and pippin between the two of us i don't know in a world where everyone agrees i I would you would have to say like pippin's like foolishness would be like just your like sloppiness because you're not like objectively like no it's just all a little bit all over the place a little bit all over the place right it's just more of a kathy type thing here (laughs) (laughs) y'all are so mean i love that they're kind of a little like i think you are less of a mary is kind of mary and pippin are a little closer together than you and rachel are it doesn't work quite that way in terms not of like that much alike yeah mary and pippin are a little too well but but in the ways they are different works for the two of you you know i, I still don't like that i'm so. fucking legless sam you're legless it's a good thing i don't why even know what a second i just don't like orlando bloom that be, much i guess like... i think that's why i'm angry because you guys know you guys haven't read the books and i also think sam though that you you and my vibe is kind of gimli and legless do that that's true that's cute yeah i don't know as a storyline too we hated each other at the beginning i know we did and now we have a fundamental respect for each other and we love each other and i also yeah i guess whatever i'm i i don't think i'm i actually don't even think that i'm the mary or i'm the pippin i think pippin's like sort of more introverted and artsy and I think Mary's more of like a like go getter, proactive. Well, Pippin isn't just lazier. I don't think he's like like. No, I don't think artsy. it's lazy. No, he is because he sings. He sings yeah, for the king. Yeah, but that's not a big. That's not yeah, like his. Not like it's not his thing. <laughs> that's like a. That's like a thing he picked up. I don't know. Anyway, I don't think I don't think we're Mary and Pippin. I don't. I I don't think any of us are like Mary and Pippin are like people who like. Would prefer to just like get stoned all the time and hang out and fundamentally. And you, you and I are not those people. Okay, fair enough. Fuck you, guys. Say three honors, baby. Um, do you have any ideas? Do you have an idea for one of Jesse's novels? <laughs> I do not. Whoa! Um, I I wrote a short. story story that turned in that could have been jesse's novel where a person is so dead it's like it's like very dostoevsky inspired where a person is so um desperate to be affirmed by people that he frames himself for murder so that a uh, people could say that he's a that he's innocent that sounds like it's a book that jesse would write it sounds terrible 
So yeah, I, I'll, I'll give Jesse my uh, 19 year old uh, short story idea. I was gonna say, yeah, you know how, you know, there's, you know, sometimes in your, like in your nose, you got like different boogers, I was thinking, and like, you got these, you know, these characters, but they're all, you know, like, they're all taking place in the same nose, and there's like a, like a juicy booger, <laughs> and a, like a, like a bloody booger. Just put this question so that you can make this joke. And yeah, squishy you booger. just wanted to have another character. Oh and they're all at a Kazan retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, pitch me, which for this, like, uh, like nineteen sixty seven, we're doing the PS Triple R, uh, which is re uh, choosing what mo- what trilogy fits in each of these slots. What would you make a prequel for? What would you want to make a sequel for? What would you want to re- be remade? What would you want to be recast? And what would you want a reboot reboot of? This is so hard because like so many of them actually happen. But I'll say mine. Okay. Prequel, Star Wars, but not the prequel we got. I want to go back further to like the heyday of Jedi Jedi Jedi? Jedi times. Jedi. The last Jedi. I want to go like The further. Last Jedi. Okay, fuck you guys. We've been talking for so long, y'all. Um, I want to go back further, like, and have it not be a Skywalker prequel, but just like a like Jedi's in like space. Jedi's, Jedi's in space. In space. <laughs> Jedi's in space. Yeah, I just want I want three Star Wars movies about the height of the Jedi era. That's what I want for a prequel. Before. I want the sequel to a before movie. Like I want before I want the before midnight, but like they're like sixty. Before afternoon, I guess. There's not much. There's only so many like uh Yeah, I don't know other time frames. <laughs> but that's what I mean. I don't think we should be limited by our inability to call it something. I just want to see those people again. Remake, I said, I don't know, Batman. Just because I'll watch a lot of Batman movies. Like, I'd watch Batman movies till the cows come home. Like, keep remaking Batman. I'm fine with that. Keep remaking Joker movies. I'm chill. Great. Cool. I'm recast chill, Godfather. Bro. Recast Godfather, not because I think that it needs to be your cast. Obviously, the cast is perfect, but like any great Shakespearean play, like, it's you're always curious to like see someone else's take on it. And then uh, reboot Lord of the Rings, which is happening, and I'm great with it. Give me more Lord of the Rings. Sure, why not? I think. We only got we only have one in common, Rachel. Uh, Whoa! Yeah, I don't think we have it. So prequel prequel was Lord of the Rings. Um, so the Hobbit, because I love the Hobbit, uh, and I want them to do it again for reals this time. <laughs> uh, but also just like I like the Shire, I I, I just just makes sense to me. Sequel, I did Batman, which was kind of just like. Um, I did. I, I that was the one that was left over when I did the rest of them. I don't <laughs> really want a sequel to Batman. Oh no, no, no! We don't want Robin. Robin. We that's what Robin. we want. Given. Robin. Uh, remake. Uh, was the before because I would want to just do that with two different with a different two actors like now like they're kind of doing with uh, I think. Beanie Feldstein and and other people oh, are kind Merrily of doing we something roll similar. Merrily we roll along. Yeah, but just like, but literally do a couple and kind of have that doing now and and ten and just do it again, basically. Thinking the, the 
for Statman, it's Pippinly we roll along. <laughs> and uh, and recast would be Godfather, just because for similar to, I mean, it, they're really good, but it's it's such a wonderful movie and script that you could just kind of like, it's like a play. Um, and then reboot Star Wars because because uh, I like Mandalorian. And we get, we're having that, and it's good so far. I can roll. My sort of, oh shit, I have to put one of them in this slot is the prequel slot for the before movies, which I guess they wouldn't, it, it's more like a prequel to Before Sunset, where it can be very concept driven. And um, it's set when they were in New York at the same time, and they never like actually are on screen together at the same time, but it has some like, you know, like subtle thematics about, I don't know, being, yeah. Cause it's like an interesting phenomenon that I've definitely, I remember I um, was in a very brief kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was in a very, not to uh, plug your ears, Rachel. I was in a brief relationship um years ago with a woman who i later found out was you know like we were we overlapped at college for like a semester or a year or something like that and just the thought of like oh wow that's really that, that's such a fa- it was very fascinating to me to think about oh wow we were there at the same time but yet never knew it and i think that's a link later thing right obviously he wrote it into the second movie but i think visualizing that um in a prequel to before sunset would I don't know. It's kind of bullshit, right? This was the one that I had to put there by default, given the other ones that I wanted to do. Um, sequel, definitely big sequel to the to the Godfather. I don't know how this has never really happened yet, whether it's just like in spirit or you call it Godfather part four, but to have it, I guess, to keep with the pacing of the time period of the other films, it would be set in like the early 2000s basically Sopranos times, which would, you know, obviously be great. Um, Remake the Lord of the Rings, but like do it as faithfully as you can to the books. So you've got a two towers with actual Shelob in it. You've got a fellowship of the ring with Tom Bombadil in it, etc. You've got a return of the King with the sacking of the Shire, um, which would be, which would be cool to see. Yeah. Um, the, the, the dead people actually do what they're yeah, supposed yeah. to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I would recast star Wars uh, because it's kind of like we talked about by the end with return of the Jedi, where it's like Harrison Ford clearly does not want to be there. Carrie Fisher is like mentally not there. The hardest one to get rid of would be Mark Hamill. I like Mark Hamill just just fine, but I think Griffin Dunn would be like an awesome fucking Han Solo. Um, and he like, is the, like, like the, the owner of the Griffin Dunn fan club. I um, love Griffin Dunn. Dunn Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> what was I gonna say? Uh, I think and then like the ages line up really well. Um, yeah, I want. Griffin Dunn is Han Solo. I've never heard this name out uh, spoken aloud, so I don't know. But Tom Holsey, 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 um, the actor, the Mozart, the Mozart actor from Amadeus. He's the voice of Quasimodo in um, Hunchback. He's like the bright-eyed and bushy-tailed pledge in Animal House. He's the deadbeat son in Parenthood. Rachel, 
Oh. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, he, he looks like Mark Hamill a lot, actually, especially if it, if it were 1977. Um, and Kathleen Turner. <gasps> Kathleen Turner would be a great... I Princess love Leia. that for her. And then because and then in in this universe's re, or return of the Jedi. In this universe's the last Jedi, Yoda could say talking about the sacred Jedi text could actually say Kathleen Turner's they were not. And then he <laughs> he he could turn to the camera and wink. Um so that's my recast. <laughs> And I reboot Batman. I got, I mean, people do that a bunch of times already. But re reboot Batman, but reboot it in the Burton vein. That's like one of my biggest gripes with the, I'm not, I like the whole, like, it's like, it's real life stuff just fine, I guess. But I love a more like larger than life, cartoonish, gothic Batman so much more than like, yeah, I've, I've been to Chicago too. I get it. Um <laughs> But you obviously don't appreciate it. Yeah. Have you though? But it is just like. Have you been to Chicago? (laughs) Where? You consumed it like a deep dish pizza. (laughs) Deep dish. Nice. Galoom all nighties. Some malort to wash it all down. Some gabagool. Well, that was fun. What do we got next, friends? We, we next time. That's our, that was pitch me. That was pitch me, Doc. Okay, I'm right. You just wanted to say it again because you're Gimli. You wanted to say pitch me. <laughs> Don't <laughs> tell the elf I let you pitch me. <laughs> I've never been the cute one. Like anytime we do this, I'm always not cute. I hate that every time I type my personality, it's never just like a cute personality. Like it's like, oh, congratulations! What's you're an the ENTJ. cute one? What's the cute one? The cute hey, one. Well, is yeah, what would be the cute one here? Like Aragorn. Pippin is cute. Gandalf is a cute one. Gandalf's no, a daddy. Not. A daddy. <laughs> but next time, next time, folks, we're going Gimli to. Gimli is cherubic. He's cute. Okay. We're gonna go all track by he- track. All the heady women. <laughs> When I say cute, I mean like dainty and you know, like feminine. So legless. legless. This is what you put me. (laughs) (laughs) Kill me. Okay. Okay. Next time, folks, we'll be going track by track through the Huey Lewis album Sports. (laughs) 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 After that, we will be going through. Uh, the top how many? How many sports movies are we watching? 18. 18. <laughs> Two baseball in-game innings worth. Yeah, doubleheader. Yeah. Holes in golf, Sam. It was right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Golf is oh, yeah. not a real sport, and that's why we don't have any golf I was going to say, not represented how- on our list. Yeah, no Caddyshack. No Happy Gilmore. Um... Cool. One movie for each of the first 18 minutes of a soccer match. <laughs> Which everyone knows are the most important minutes. It's the first 18 that really decides it. Um, Coolio. Coolio Schmulio. Oh my God. Thanks for listening. Play it, Sam. <laughs> <laughs>